Today we're going to be taking a big chunk of scripture out of the book of Colossians. I love Colossians. It's what we call a Christocentric letter. In other words, it's all about Jesus. The first year that we pastored in Kiev, I preached for an entire year just out of this short little letter. And I think there's a great deal for us to learn from it. And we're just going to take our time today going through it verse by verse. We call it uh, expository preaching, which just means that. Kind of like mowing your lawn, right? Just line by line, methodically going back and forth. And so we're going to spend our time in Colossians chapter 2, beginning with verse 6. Paul says, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord... Continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elements of spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him you are also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. By the way, that's the title of today's message, Alive with Christ. He forgave us all of our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over, the, over them by the cross. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to religious festivals, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen, They are puffed up with the idle notions by their unspiritual mind. They have lost connection with the head, from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. Since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why, as though you still belong to the world, do you submit to its its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These rules, which have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use, are based on merely human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship and their false humility and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgences. That's a lot of stuff. You're like, holy cow, we're going to be here till 6 o'clock. No, we'll get there. We're going to walk through it. But what I really love about Paul and most of his letters is he made his focused attention being, we don't want to drift away from the central message of Jesus. And he does that for us today as well. Let's pray. God, as we are spending our time in, man, some thick scripture, 
I just pray that you'd guide our minds and find some really great application for our Tuesdays and our Wednesdays, Lord. Every day we might become more like you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Christine and I grew up Green Bay, so we're not too far away from our homeland, I guess we would say. We, when we're in the States, we base out of Milwaukee now. Christine's mom is there. But a lot has changed in the 15, 16 years that we've been in missions, been away from the United States. Everybody asks what we missed when we first went on the mission field. It's crazy what you miss. Strange little things. We miss macaroni and cheese. Right? And since we were gone, you guys changed a lot. Right? Blue cheese in your macaroni and cheese and buffalo chicken and crumbs and making it all fancy. But we all know it. Nothing's better than the blue box, right? <laughs> Come on, you know it. How many of you right now could pound the entire box right now this morning? Come on, I know you, right? And, and none of this milk thing. It's all butter, right? Seven minutes of perfection. I lost everybody just there, right? You're thinking of mac and cheese. It's true. The simplest form is the best. It's what we grew up on. It's what we love. It's... it's it means a lot. And we had actually a church that would send us just the powdered packets in the mail. Because we could find noodles, but the powder, man, it's the stuff, right? The simplest form. What is a really bad illustration, by the way, of what we're talking about. But it, it, the message of the cross was so simple that the early church got frustrated with it and was trying to figure out all kinds of ways that they could doctor it up that they could make it better, that they could change it. And I think most of the time we see a lot of misuses that were going on here in, in this small church. But I think most of the time these changes are happening because it just seems too good to be true. So the response is, man, let's just make some changes. Let's try to figure out how to make it different. And, and throughout all of history and even today, people are trying to doctor up the simple, profound work of Jesus Christ. Right? Paul even says at one point when he was dealing with the same issue in Galatia, he said, if we come to you or even an angel comes to you preaching a gospel other than the one we've taught you, he said, let him be condemned to hell. Well, the practice of this is hard to understand. If today an angel were to fly through the window or something and land here and unfurl its wings from wall to wall and start preaching to us, we'd have a tendency of believing that guy. But Paul's saying, hey, if even that happens, don't believe it. The message of the gospel is simple true. It's grace given to us. It's the simple truth of grace. So today I want to go through this passage and see how they were kind of drifting and realize that we have the same propensities to drift and to make it so much more complicated than the true gospel is. But I'm going to start with the backyard instead of the front yard when it comes to mowing. We're going to jump all the way down to verse 16 to start and see what they were doing wrong. And then the first verses say really how the focus needs to be. So items they were trying to add to the truth in order to feel worthy of grace. First, it was diet. In verse 16, therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink. Now, we know that Old Testament, all kinds of dietary laws, Right. All kinds of things, don't eat this, do eat this, eat this in this way, wash it that way. All kind of dietary laws that I truly believe that God put in place for the protection of his nation. But now we see that these things are permissible in the New Testament, 
but people were still trying to put all these dietary restrictions on to honor God, right? Now, we all know that dietary restrictions aren't a bad thing, right? When I was growing up, there was this movie, City Slickers. Anybody watch it, right? The guy named Curly dies on his horse, and Billy Crystal's response was, he ate bacon for every meal. You just can't do that. And it's true, some dietary restrictions are really important for us and smart for us and we'll probably live longer and stuff. But it's not a matter of gaining favor with God. Mark 7, Jesus says this, Are you so dull? Do you not, uh, do you, don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but goes into their stomach and then out of their body. And saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. So for some reason, there was all this dietary stuff that was starting to be added on in order to get favor with God. And, and Paul's saying, hey, Jesus took care of it on the cross. We, we go on, and we see these religious obligations. Or with regard to religious festivals, a new moon celebration, Sabbath day, these are shadows of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Jesus. All kinds of festivals in the Old Testament, Right? All kinds of important events, all of them pointing to Jesus, but the early church is saying, let's keep doing these things. And they're saying, it's not getting you any closer to God by doing all of these traditions. They're traditions. Now, I grew up in the movement that this church is a part of called the Assemblies of God. Do you know we have our traditions, right? And sometimes our traditions can be more important than, than even Jesus. Now, we pastor a church in Kiev where there are many churches, beautiful churches that were built as many as a 1,000 years ago. And one of them, St. Sophia, is on the highest hill in the city of 6.5 million people. And there are beautiful paintings on the wall, many of them 900 years old. They're called frescoes. And they were built and they were created because it was a completely illiterate culture and they wanted to teach the gospel through pictures. That's a good thing, isn't it? Like, it's a good tradition. Let's have these pictures. In fact, there's so many deep things. I don't know if you've ever seen some of these frescoes, but often you'll see the person in the fresco maybe holding his fingers like this on one side and this on the other. How many of you have ever seen something like that before? It's not a gang symbol going back that far. It's actually great theology that, that they fought for for centuries, which was this is symbol of that Jesus was 100% man and 100% God, right? And this is a symbol of the Trinity, that they are united in one. And the thumb over the pinky is the heel of Jesus crushing the head of the serpent. Uh, isn't that beautiful theology built into that fresco? Right? But now the fresco has, through the centuries, become the icon, and the theology is that God inhabits the presence between you and that picture. And it's all about the picture. And nobody knows the theology. How easy it is to drift. How easy it is to drift upon the central truths of what Jesus Christ has done for us. It's all just a shadow, and we need to recognize that now, we have access to the real thing. Ultra-spirituality, verse 18, do not let anyone who delights in false humility in the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen, and they kind of get puffed up in their unspiritual minds. Here we see people who may be experiencing dreams and visions and experiences, and those things become more prevalent 
in Jesus himself. Justification comes through the experience. Verse 8 says, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. There's a lot of amazing things that God does in the present day. But those things can't be more important than Jesus. Right? The experience is great because I really do believe that when we have an experience with the Lord, that he does so to encourage us, but not to worship the experience. It seems subtle, but it's huge. It's real. When we came back on furlough, this is about three years ago, I came back to, I guess it was, the what was the phone company that we went to? Verizon. I went to Verizon with my phone, and I set it on there, and I said, I need a SIM card for that. And they looked at me, and then they got the people from the back and said, look at that phone. And they all laughed and said, where'd you get that? How long have you had that? And, and then they said, it doesn't even connect with our network. <laughs> I had to get a new phone. So I got this new phone, which is very different. Anytime I wanted to take a picture, I had to delete a podcast, right? I had no memory on it whatsoever. So I had this phone with lots of memory. I still haven't filled up. And it's got this camera that's really cool because you can put the setting on it. You could take a picture of somebody, and everything in the background is blurry, and everything in front is really sharp. How many of you play with your phone? You know you're doing that. Maybe some of you during the service are doing this, right? That's totally what we need to be doing in the church when it comes to Jesus, right? There's so many important things that we as a church do worldwide, systematically affecting the world. There's so many great things that God pours out into our lives, but the focus of it all needs to be Jesus. Let the rest be a part of the picture, but not in focus. The focus is on him. Next, we see this very complicated word called asceticism meaning that the problem is my body and I need to fix that problem. He said, since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why as though you still belong to the world do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not hurry. I'm going to jump down to verse 23. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgences. Early church used to look at the struggle between doing right and wrong, and the response was, the problem is in my body. The problem is in my flesh. So that began the cutting of the body. That began uh, carrying big weight in order to carry a penance and trying to get our body into submission, creating this weird dualism of self, spiritual self and body self. We, we see that that heavy treatment of the body doesn't help at all. That asceticism is not what helps us work through this. It's that Jesus Christ has finished the work. He's the one who took the burden. He's the one who took the stripes. He's the one who took the beating. We don't have to. Dave McFadden put it this way. The Christian life will involve sacrifice and self-denial, but not because we're trying to gain acceptance, but because we are accepted. 
Not because we're trying to earn forgiveness, but because we are forgiven. Not because we're trying to win the victory, but because we are already have the victory. Jesus Christ works in transforming what's inside, and it comes out. Do you know what's inside of our hearts? What's inside spiritually always leaks out? Scripture says, from our hearts, our mouths speak. And even if our mouths don't speak, our eyes do. How many of you are gifted in the eye roll today? (laughs) Come on, this guy popped up right over. Like, yeah, right on. As he gave me one, right? Right there. Yeah, I mean, what's happening in here always leaks out. So let's let Christ do his work in here and let that leak out. The more we try to control the physical body, the more we try to do it through self-discipline and self-sacrifice for the purpose of trying to get rid of those struggles, it's always going to leak, right? So we work on here, and it, it all comes out. I grew up in a church just up the road from here, not all that much different from this one. Only when I grew up, everybody dressed up for church. How many of you have been to that church? right? I mean, dressed, not that you're not dressed up today, right? Shorts are still dressed up. I got that. But like suit and tie, right? Suit and tie, my dad had two of them and just rotated Sundays, you know, just diversify with the tie, right? But everybody dressed to their best. And to a certain extent, I understand it's give God your best. And there's an argument in that whole thing. Um, But the other side of that is to look the part. I, I strongly encourage you, don't try to look the part. Just be the part. And that part is, I got nothing to give. I got nothing to add to this. There's nothing I can do to earn this. This is a completely free gift from, from Jesus Christ that he offered to me. And all I had to do was to receive by faith this grace. And we can dress up and we can look good. But it always leaks. So let's let God totally come into our heart. So that's some of the struggles that they were experiencing in that back end, right? They were, they were about diets and traditions and looking the part and even trying to beat the body. And all of those struggles were happening. And in the end, we see that the beginning verses tells us really what the truth is, what Jesus has fully completed on our behalf. He has given us an opportunity for relationship. Verse 6. So then just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. Let me just pause there. I love that Pastor Mark has been having this great emphasis. We've been around for about a month now. It seems every Sunday at the end of the service, he's giving an opportunity for people to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And that is, I think, an important event in our lives. Right? You today... If you've experienced that in your life, you may have a date in which you did that. My wife, in her Bible, has a date at the top of the line, right? Right at the front, the date that she accepted Jesus Christ, her Lord and Savior. For others of you, it may have been progressive over time. You don't really have a date, but you know that you are. Either way, the passage here is telling us, just as you received Christ Jesus as your Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, overflowing with thankfulness. 
Jesus lives inside of us. That is a continual progressive thing. He's always walking with us. There's no place you can go. He's not there. Right? He's always there with us. And Colossians calls this the great mystery. Verse 26 of chapter 1, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. What's the big deal? It's a huge deal that the creator of all the universe is sitting in the same seat you are. He inhabits you. And Paul says in Colossians, this is the biggest mystery of the gospel. I can't even figure it out. It's beyond my brain. That the God of the universe is inhabiting me, Christ in me. The Orthodox Church has an entire theology. I don't think the modern world likes this. An entire theology that's called mystery of God. In other words, when something's too hard to figure out, well, what about this? They say, mystery of God. Seems a little bit like a cop-out, right? It really does. But I think there's some substance there as well. It says, I don't know if I can put my mind around this, but when I've invited Jesus into my life, he lives here. He is in me. He is also completed the battle in the spiritual realm. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition, elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. In other words, the early church was all about spiritual things, not on Jesus. Now, Jesus is spiritual. I got that. But they're all about the stuff, right? The stuff that should be in the background, For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. Here it is. He is the head over every power and authority. So the early church is saying, yeah, we got Jesus, but really is he he up to the task? Right? So therefore, you've got to do more. Right? You've got to really... Like, build it up, right? Spiritually, we got to build this thing up. It's good. It says here he's, he's got it taken care of. I don't know if you've ever seen this symbol, yin and yang, the black and the white, that it's in a circle. It's, it's actually from Eastern, Eastern philosophy. And the idea is that good and evil are equal opposing parts in the world. I don't see that here. I don't see anything equal. I don't, uh, the opposition, obviously. I don't see anything equal. It says that Jesus is the head over every power and authority. Why do we need to chase that stuff rather than just chasing him? There's so much that we think I've got to do. Well, guess what? He's already done it. I've spent... 20-some years now pastoring. And it seems like there's always something distracting the church from Jesus. And a lot of it's good stuff. A lot of it's important stuff. 
I love the fact that you keep his name around the church. Because it is all about him and the work that he's done for our help. And he sent his Holy Spirit to be with us, his spirit. And the three together, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit together work because we recognize he has finished the work for us. All we need to do, now some of you know what it means to be in spiritual warfare. How many of you can say that I, I can tangibly know that I've been in spiritual warfare in my life? Raise your hand. All right. Uh, just about everybody in the room and the other people are saying, yeah, I've had some hard times. Well, I just don't know what it was. Right? We've all had those times where we think there's something significant happening beyond the physical. It's tangible. What we do know, Jesus is on the job. Just got to go to him. He's the head over all of this. He's got this under control. There's nothing you can do to earn. There's nothing you can do to, to put into greater effect. He's got it under control. Not, does that mean we don't pray? I didn't say that. Go into prayer. Prayer moves the hand of God. Prayer does amazing things, but it starts with the foundation of what prayer does in my heart and my life. And foundationally, we need to accept his finished work. Say I've accepted you as my Lord and Savior, God, but what does it really mean to make you my life? Because I think, I think the first time I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, it was more about fire insurance than it was about a relationship with Jesus, right? How many of you were there? I mean, fear, godly fear leads to repentance. I don't know. But there is that sense that I needed Jesus not to go to hell. But the more I read the word of God, I see how much I need Jesus for daily living. I don't know 95% of the people in the room. And by the way, thank you so much for caring for my son. Right? I really appreciate it. Uh, he grew up in a pastor's house, a missionary's house. He grew up, like, doing the church thing. And I knew if he came here, knowing your pastor and his wife, that he would be able to see a church of love. Um, and he felt that. He experienced that. I appreciate it. But my, my ask to you today, where's Jesus in focus in your life? I don't know, there, there are times that a lot of other things come into focus and he drifts to the back. You know what I'm talking about? I don't know if it has to do with church traditions or new moons or asceticism or my dietary issues, obviously. It's other things. It's a lack of trust about my finances. It's fear about a physical issue in my family. It's so many things that start drawing focus in my life. We read through today how Jesus is the fulfillment of all of our needs. We don't have to go to other things. My challenge to you today, where is Jesus in our lives? If you just take a moment to bow your heads with me.
I'm going to ask you to do something that might be a little hard for you. And that is to try to get alone with God in a room full of people. The nice little music in the back helps, doesn't it? To just be able to close your eyes and just get alone with God for a minute. And first, I want to talk to those of you who have been following Jesus for a while. You've known him as your Lord and Savior. But he, has he been the central part of your life? Or have other things become more important? You try to control things and earn things and get places on your own. But today, Jesus is calling to us that he would be center in our lives, the most important thing. I don't know. It's easy to drift, isn't it? Our gracious Heavenly Father, all across this room today, there have been times when we've slipped away from you being focused in our lives. And just because we attend church or just because we look the part, Lord, doesn't mean that you are number one in our lives. And so, Lord, once again, I choose to make you, Lord. I bring you back center in my life, Lord. And I put the trust for all of the spiritual battles and all the physical ones. I put the trust for all of my eternity back in your hands. Lord, I try to control it. I try to manipulate it because it just seems too good, Lord, that you'll take care of everything. But, Lord, you'll take care of everything. And so we put our trust in your hands. Guide us into wisdom decisions. Guide us into that great mystery, which is you living in us, with us, and experiencing that today. If you're here today with everybody still just in a moment of prayer, alone with God, and you say, I don't even know if Jesus has ever come into my life. If I've never, I've never had that date or that moment where I say, I really want Jesus and to experience the fullness of what he's done on the cross. If today you would like to invite Jesus into your life, I'd like you to just slip up your hand with nobody looking around, and we're going to pray all together in just a moment. Just slip up your hand, anyone at all. Let's pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, we are here today because of your Son, Jesus, and the work that was done on the cross on our behalf. Lord, it's easy to get distracted. And so, Lord, we do our best to keep our minds, our hearts, Lord, all of us, our eyes on you. Guide us as you live in us and through us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
Praise the Lord. Thank you, Pastor Paul. Proverbs says, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. It says an appropriate word is that valuable. Thank you for a very valuable word. Um, keeping Jesus the center. That's what it's all about, right, church? Let's stand this morning. When we close, if you would like prayer, please feel free to come down front and we'll pray with you this morning. When you feel dismissed by the Holy Spirit, make your way out of church. Let me end with a great blessing from the priest, Aaron. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you, friends. Have a wonderful day in Jesus. Know that he is everything. Amen? Amen. God bless you.